Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Hey, well, I want to say a really big welcome to everybody that's joining us here today. If you've never been to church before, we're so glad that you would make the time to be here on Sunday. And uh, I'm just going to share a message with you guys today that I think is incredibly simple. It's so simple. And that's good because, you know, I feel like as human beings, we have this way of overcomplicating things all of the time. We want to make things more difficult than they are when a lot of the times it can just be really simple. Like I, I have this friend of mine and when she wants to tell you a story, you just you don't just get the story she's telling, you get everything else that happened in the day and in the lead up to the telling of that story. So you just know so much more than what she wanted to tell you at the end of that. And, and here's the thing, and this is kind of scary for her, I guess, but she's still kind of young now. And I feel like as you get older, and please don't hate me for saying this, don't shoot me for saying this, but I feel like as you get older, the unnecessary details become extremely important. And if I'm wrong about this, I'm just going to totally blame this on my grandparents. It's all of their fault. It's all on them. But this has been my experience. If my grandfather was ever telling me a story, it wouldn't just be the story that he told you, but the day was important. And he would have to stop in the middle of that story and tell you how he remembered the day. It would be something like, I remember the day. It was a Tuesday because that day I went to the milk bar and I saw the milk bar attendant and he came and spoke to me. And you're just like, you know, just stop, just stop right there. Hey, listen, if we could just keep it really simple and keep with the story, that would be so good. But we do this all the time. In fact, if I look across culture, we have this way of making things, even statements that are meant to be so simple, we just make them so complicated. I'm so glad, for example, that I'm married right now because I don't know exactly how the dating world works. It's like if you go out on a date with someone and you had a great time, can you call them the next day? Or is it two days? Is it three days? If you wait for four, is it too long? And then they think you're not interested. I don't know. Sounds overcomplicated to me. I, I, I remember when I was in sales, and if anybody's been in sales, you will remember this, but we used to have this little statement. It's, co- it's called, you know, the KISS principle. Keep it short and simple. That's the nice version of that. Keep it short and simple. And I feel like we should just keep it short and simple. Like we should just take things that are simple and leave them the way that they are. And so today I want to talk about something that I think is incredibly simple. I want to talk about being generous. And the reason I want to talk about being generous is because this is incredibly important to Jesus. This is incredibly important in the New Testament. In fact, I would say this, that if you're the kind of person that genuinely, hand on heart, just wanted to read the Scriptures, And honestly, read it to understand it. You would not be able to walk away from reading the Scriptures without realizing that what God really wants you to do is be generous. And so I want to read a Scripture to you today. And it comes out of Luke. And just to set the scene for you today, Jesus is doing some teaching. And man, His teaching, it would attract a lot of attention. So here's Jesus doing some incredible teaching and people have gathered. There's actually thousands of people that have gathered and He's talking about having no fear and acknowledging Christ before men. And then this guy kind of interrupts and, and asks this question. I want to read it to you. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he being Jesus, said to him, 
Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Now, if that weren't enough, Jesus tells a little story just to make sure that the guy really understands it. In verse 16, it says, And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, Ah, oh, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, that's weird, right? Like who says that to their soul? Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, live the dream. Verse 20, he says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's this lady that has built a business out of helping people to get rid of their stuff. You've probably seen her on TV. Her name is Mari Kondo. And Mari Kondo has built a business out of just helping people to get rid of the stuff that they've been collecting. Just helping them to get rid of everything that they've accumulated. And she has this way, this approach of getting rid of the stuff that you just want to hold on to. Here's how it works. You go get all the stuff out of your wardrobe that you want to throw out. You lay it on the bed somewhere in, in your bedroom. And then you take up an item one by one. And you hold it and you ask yourself this question. Does this bring me joy? And if it brings you joy, you keep it. And if it doesn't bring you joy, you get rid of it. This is a little strange, but it's catching. Like people watch this show and go through the process of trying to get rid of their stuff because people are great at collecting their stuff. It just happens so easily. It happens all the time. I'm married to a person who has a lot of stuff that just brings her joy. It's weird because she wants to keep a lot of stuff and, and, and the things that bring her joy, it's kind of ironic. It's the very things that don't bring me joy. I'm like, can we just get rid of it? Can we just throw it out? Why are we keeping this? You're never going to wear that again. I can't ever see that coming back into fashion. Let's just throw it out, right? But she wants to keep her stuff. People have a problem with holding on to and keeping their stuff. Like, I remember this show that used to be on Netflix in fact, it still is on Netflix. It's called Hoarders. That's the name of the show. It's called Hoarders. And it's a show about people that just keep collecting stuff. So I actually looked it up before I did this message. And I thought, man, I wonder if that show is still going. They are in their 12th season right now. 12 seasons of people trying to get rid of stuff that they just believe they can't do without. I mean, this is a problem. This is crazy. I actually read the little, the little caption about what the whole show was about. This is what it says. Hoarders is about people with an addiction to acquisition that overwhelms their homes and their lives. Now, I know I'm smiling, but I probably shouldn't be smiling because this is actually really sad. 
It's so sad that people have such an addiction to acquisition that they keep so much stuff that it starts to ruin their lives. And it made me think, I wonder how many people out there are just keeping all of their stuff because they have an addiction to acquisition and it's starting to affect their lives. People just like to collect stuff. And it doesn't matter what it is. They just want more of it. And when they get more, it's never enough. And listen, don't hear me wrong. It's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have savings. It's good to have all of that. It's good to have possessions. It's just a problem when your possessions have you. It's a problem when all of the stuff that you want becomes so important to you and the collecting of it and the adding to it. And when all of your possessions have you, I feel like you are in addiction territory. You're addicted to acquisition. And man, I got to tell you, this is not the way that we are supposed to live. Now, let me tell you why I'm sharing this message today. I think it's incredibly important, especially at this time, to share this message, all right? Because 50% of married people who have gotten divorced have gotten divorced over money in some way. Now, this isn't stats and information that has just been from years ago. This is recent. This is in the last couple of years. 50% of couples who have gotten divorced have had big issues with money. In fact, if you're a newlywed couple, statistically 70% of newlywed couples will fight over money in the first 12 months. And I look at that and I think, man, this is so important because we're talking about money, we're talking about resource, but really this is about relationships. This is about you, this is about your mental health. This is about things not grabbing your heart that shouldn't have your heart. And I think this is so incredibly important. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who would say, come on, like money doesn't own me. It doesn't own me, I I get that. But it does direct a lot of your decisions. It does make a lot of decisions for you. Many of you will be working jobs that you don't even like. Why are you doing that? Not because you love it. It's because you get paid to do it. Money has this influence on our life. And I just feel like we need to kind of put it in the place that it deserves. I know that we are in this season right now. It's this COVID season. And it just made me start to think. I wonder how much untold stress is impacting families, marriages right now because of the financial climate and the pressure that we are in right now. See, how you see money, how you see resource, how you see your stuff, it really, really matters. Let me ask you this. How do you actually see it? How do you see this stuff? Well, you know, the answer to that question really largely depends on your age because different generations see money, wealth, and possessions differently. For example, 45% of millennials, when asked about the topic of generosity, they would say that 45% of the time it is spur of the moment giving. 45% of millennials believe generosity is almost always or often spur of the moment giving. Then that made me start to think, if that's true, then you can't plan generosity. 
And that just means that you have to have excess with you all of the time. You just have to have it on you somewhere. Because if it's spur of the moment, you just have to have ample resource. And I thought to myself, you know, the majority of people that I know, they don't have that. The majority of people that I know, they don't have ample resource just willing to give away. We almost live our lives where we go right to the edge of what we can afford and, and, and treat life like that. And if that's the way that you're doing it, there is a huge percentage of young people that are going to grow up. And if they don't change their ideas about this, these people will be running our nation. These people will be building homes for me when I'm older and I'll have to go and live with them. I just want them to see resource the way that they should see it. You know, baby boomers aren't that different. If that really shocked you and surprised you, if we go somewhere up the scale towards the baby boomers, it says that 28% of baby boomers, even they believe that generosity is spur of the moment giving. Isn't that interesting? So, so different generations see it differently, but it's so much deeper than that. For example, let me explain it to you like this. The household that you grew up in, how your parents treated you has a big influence on how you see resource and how you see money. For example, if you had parents that were incredibly generous to you in your life and they uh, exuded generosity, it increases its value in your life. In fact, there is a 40% chance and likelihood that if you had generous parents, that you would think that being generous is very important. However, if you had parents that were stingy, if you had parents that were not generous, there is only an 11% likelihood or chance that you will ever see generosity as something that should be highly esteemed or highly valued. And my point is really this, is that our upbringing, our generation, they all play a role in how we see money. So when I say, hey, what do you guys think about being generous? There's a whole heap of different thoughts that are going on all at the same time because everyone's contextualizing that question in their own frame of reference, their own background, their upbringing, their, their stage of life, their age in life. It's all different for different people. I remember growing up and we would be going to church in the morning and my mom would always give us some money to put into the buckets. You turn around in the car and we'd each get a little coin and, and we'd hold on to that. And I know you're not going to believe me because you're going to think this is crazy, right? But it was one of the most exciting things that I could do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even joking about this. I loved this moment. I mean, we had to get through the worship and stuff and, and, and that, but then came the giving time and that's where I really got excited. And so, because it was like this thing that I could participate in. And, and so now suddenly, not that you can't participate in worship, but I'm a kid, all right? So this is how I'm thinking. So anyway, the bucket starts coming down the aisle and it gets to me and I would put my money in it and pass it along. And I was like, yeah, guys, we did it. And I was excited about it. I'm not even kidding. I love that moment. And I gotta tell you, it is so exciting giving away other people's money. Isn't that good? I mean, it wasn't my money, so it was very exciting for me to give it away. I felt like I was participating, but it didn't even belong to me. And here's the funny thing. When generosity starts to cost you something, it begins to take on a different place in your life. 
It's great giving away other people's money. It's even great witnessing generosity. Isn't it good when we see people in culture and society when they're generous and we celebrate it? Come on, as a culture, doesn't matter whether you're Christian or not Christian, we all celebrate generosity, right? But when it costs you something to be generous, it feels different. It's just a different thing. Now for us as a church, we think this is incredibly important. In fact, so we have values as a church. That might sound strange to you, but they're just things that we say, hey, we really care about this stuff. And one of our values is actually stewardship. And when I say stewardship, right, you know, that's maybe we should change it because not a lot of people use that word, but, but here's what we mean. We manage what we have well so that we can be generous people. We manage what we have well so that we can be generous people. This matters so much. And it doesn't just matter to me. It matters to Jesus. It matters to God. Read through the stories of the, in, in, in the Bible and don't just look at this as abstract text of something that happened. Look at the lives of people who were changed and transformed and who started to see these things differently. I mean, here in this story that we're reading today, you know, there's this guy that just calls out this question, hey, tell my brother to divide my inheritance with me, right? So the way that this would work, you know, back in this time, is that let's say you had two children, you would divide the inheritance three ways. And you give two thirds to the oldest brother or the firstborn, and then the second brother would get one third because the firstborn got a double portion. Personally, I love this. I think we should keep this. I hope my parents are watching right now. I don't know why we haven't kept this. I mean, gosh, as Christian people in today's day and age, we are so likely to drag Old Testament stuff into the New Testament. We do it with all kinds of things. So, hey, why don't we keep that principle? Um, anyone today, guys, anyone that's helping me film? Like, yeah, so we should, they all agree with me. We should absolutely keep this principle. All right, so, but we haven't. So back to real life now. So here's the thing. Let's say, just, just to make sure you understand it, right? Let's say there are three brothers. You split the money four ways. Then two quarters or half goes to the oldest brother and the other two brothers, the youngest two brothers, they split a quarter each or they get a quarter each. That's how it works. So here is this guy and, and presumably he's disappointed because he got less than his brother. Now here's the story. Jesus is in the middle of preaching and teaching this great message. There are thousands of people here. Come on, what has he talked about? The sign of Jonah, not gonna talk about it today, but it's important. And, and the light in you and, and, and have no fear. And this one's really important, like acknowledging Jesus before people. So just being honest and transparent about being a Christian. So here is Jesus in the middle of doing these profound teachings. And this guy has probably not even heard it. He's just sitting there thinking, how come my brother got more than me? And it's kind of evident because Jesus is in the middle of teaching all of these messages. And this guy just stands up and says, let me tell you something that's really unfair, Jesus. And you're, you're a pretty good guy, so you'll probably make it right. Um, could you tell my brother to split his inheritance with me? Could we make this a little more even? And this is where Jesus does something that the man just probably didn't see coming. I feel like Jesus does this all the time. And he did something the guy did not see coming. He just kind of turns on him and he says, bro, how about you check your own heart? He actually doesn't even talk about the brother. And in fact, he says, listen, everybody, 
you should be careful about covetousness. He, he actually issues a warning. And then just to make sure that the guy doesn't escape in, in this moment and that he's really listening, he says, hey, don't worry about what your brother's doing. You should check your own heart. Worry about covetousness, which is the wrongful desire for stuff that you, you don't need or you shouldn't have, but you just want it anyway, or the wrongful desire for more. And so he, he gives them this story, this parable. And, and when you read the story, what does it say? The land of a rich man produced plentifully. In the story, the man's already rich. That's why it says the land of a rich man. He was already rich before this produce. He was already rich before this harvest. And so in this time, like th there's no doubt about it, these people, these Jewish people would look at all of the rainfall and the producing of those crops. They would look at that as God blessing him. So blessing comes in many forms and it's not just provision and it's not just financial. We understand that. I mean, Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those that demand justice. I mean, he, he kind of changed our ideas about blessing, but that's, those things aren't exclusively blessing as well. God still did bless people. And this story tells us about a rich man who was blessed by God and suddenly he's got this incredible crop. And what does he do with it, right? Well, it doesn't mention anywhere that he tithed on it. Now, tithing was something that they should have expected. And tithing was really exclusively for a lot of people, it was or landowners, it was the produce that came from their land. But this guy, he kind of harvests it all. And, and you get this impression that he's taken all of it. So what they used to do is if you owned land and you owned produce, you would leave the edges of the property that you owned for poor people to come and to, to take some of the food and the crops to look after themselves, right? This guy, this guy, this is what he does. He says, I'm blessed. God has blessed me. And he takes the whole harvest and he's got so much blessing, so much harvest. He honestly doesn't know what to do with it. Then he has this brilliant idea. He goes, I know what I'll do. I will upgrade. That's what he did. I'll upgrade. I'm gonna upgrade my barns, and I'll build bigger barns that can store even more than what I've currently got. He's already rich. So that I can hold onto even more. This is his idea. Now, I'm telling you, this story that Jesus shared is 2,000 years old. And this is 100% the culture we live in today. Just upgrade. Just, just upgrade. In, in fact, I think a great way to reduce your generosity is to just upgrade your life. You begin to upgrade your life, and it's not wrong. All right, sometimes you're going to need to upgrade some things in your life. It's not wrong to buy a new car. It's not wrong to get a new computer. None of that stuff is wrong, right? But if you upgrade everything all of the time, the moment you get a chance to do it, it reduces your capacity to be generous. And here's where it gets really tricky. What happens is, is that sometimes if you start to do that with everything all of the time, greed starts to sneak in. And it will never present itself in your life as greed. No one, I have never met anyone in my entire life that has honestly said to me, 
you know, I think my problem, I'm just a little too greedy. No one has ever said that ever because greed always presents itself as need. And, and, and in doing that, it just masks itself. And so no one ever says they're greedy. They just need a lot of stuff. And so they just upgrade their life. And if you have to upgrade everything all of the time, and as a direct result of your constant upgrading, you never find a space to be generous in your life. I hate to tell you this truth, but you are addicted to acquisition. You're addicted to acquisition. You just didn't realize it. You just didn't know. I'm telling you right now, if you can't ever find a place in your life to be generous because of the fact that you are always upgrading your life and keeping everything for yourself, you are building bigger barns. You are finding new and creative ways to hold on onto what you need or what you think you need. And you are finding the greatest ways to justify it. I mean, if I just think about my own life personally with, with, with my family and, and, and my wife, you know, Pastor Sarah, honestly, if we reduce our generosity, right now I could walk straight out and buy a new car if we reduce our generosity. So we have kind of, a, 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 I guess, a pretty new car, but I've got this older car, right? And right now, if I just made a decision to reduce my generosity, I could go right out and buy a new car. Not only that, if we decided as a family that we're gonna reduce our generosity, I could walk straight out today, I could buy a new house. Because there is a portion that we set aside in our lives. Here's what we do, right? Uh, we give over 10% of our income straight to church, right? And, and we give it to church because we believe that what the church is doing by advancing the gospel is a very important message. I've always done this. And so we give, I'm not, I'm not actually a huge tither. I'm really big on giving. We give over 10%. We give that to church. But then there are ministries that are even outside of our church. Some of them are, you know, ministries that our church partners with. Others of them are not. We just give to them because we want to. And then we have money that we would set aside, just portions of money that if a need arised in our, in our family's life or someone that we care about, we would able to be generous into their lives as well. Look, we do this because it's important to us, but we could cut all of that and instantly upgrade so many areas of our life. But I'm telling you, I would never do it. I just couldn't do it. And the reason I can't do it is because I think that the price of stinginess, it's too high. The price of stinginess, it's too high. And, and, and I can't afford to pay it. And the worst thing is, is that I would have eternity to think about it. Can we just reflect on really what's happening here? We are here on earth for such a short time. And what we do here will matter in the light of eternity. I will have eternity to think about what I did with my resource. And that's why I, I just, I'm saying we can't afford to be stingy. It's too important. This story is exactly Jesus dealing with this point. And it says here, look, there is a rich Full. That's what the story is all about. In fact, there's a little title in my Bible here that says, the parable of the rich fool, which is kind of funny because, you know, often we don't think that rich people are foolish. We never think rich people are foolish. That's, that's how they got rich. 
rich people are always smart, right? That's how they got rich. I mean, if we were all smart, we'd all be rich, right? But this actually says, no, this person's a rich fool. He's not a fool because he's rich. That's, that's not what makes him foolish. It, it's, it's not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to have stuff. I, I don't want anyone who's watching this who is doing well in life to suddenly feel guilty. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Don't you think it's kind of odd that the brother who had double inheritance, Jesus never even speaks about him. It's almost like Jesus doesn't even care. He just looks at the guy who's got a problem with his heart and he says, hey, I want to deal with the stuff that's in your heart before I deal with anything else. It's not a sin to be rich, but here's the problem. The man dies. God had blessed him abundantly and he never used his wealth to make a difference. That's it. He never used what God had given to him to make a difference. It wasn't the fact that he was rich. He's not foolish. He was already rich and God didn't have a problem with that. It was when he started to keep what God had blessed him with and he wasn't generous towards other people. That's where Jesus has a problem. When you've been blessed with something, I feel like there is this responsibility to take what God has blessed you with and start to think, how could I be a channel for blessing in other people's lives? How could I start to make a difference and use what God has given to me so that I can make a difference in the lives of other people? And, and this is how it, the whole thing ends with this one line. He says this, Jesus's words, So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Man, rich towards God. Doesn't God own the cattle on a thousand hills? Like why would we need to be rich to Him. I think that Jesus is making a, a super important point here. He says, there are a couple of ways that you can give. Did you notice that He said, you're not being rich towards God when you don't give out of what God has blessed you with? Like God gives to you. And if you want to be rich towards Him, He says that you've got to give out. There are a couple of things that I have identified and understood that God cares so much about. God cares about people. He loves people so much. So we got to be rich towards people. God loves His church. Jesus loved the church so much, He refers to it as His bride so as to convey the intimacy that Jesus has with the church. He loves the church. And not only that, but He gave up His life so that we could be the church. These are the things that God cares about. And I think that you could make all of this complicated if you really wanted to, but I told you this is a simple message. And so here it is quite simply. If you wanna give up, you gotta give out. If you wanna give up, you've gotta give out. It actually blesses God when you start to give to church and to people and be generous with those that are in your life. It blesses Him when you give out of the blessings that He's given to you. This is incredibly important and amazingly simple. Like, come on, let's not overcomplicate this process. This is so simple. This is so easy to understand. 
But for some reason, when we come to talking about this stuff, it's like people want to make it complicated because they get all issues about it. So we're in this season right now where it's COVID, right? COVID-19, pandemic. Is this the right time to talk about generosity? And here's what I think. There has never been a more important time than to be generous right now. Because we are surrounded by need. And we cannot at this point hold everything to ourselves and think that everything that God has given to us is simply for us to enjoy. I don't know if there's been a more important time on planet earth to be generous than the season that we're in right now. And, and let me just say this, this is like a little asterisk. If you're not working right now, hey, just look after your family and, and pray that there are people that understand what I'm talking about so that you can be the recipient of someone else's generosity. There are always people in need and our hope and our prayer and what Jesus was talking about is that there should always be people that are willing to be generous to look after those that are in need and continue to sow into the things that God cares about. So come on, what does it really mean to be generous? Well, let me tell you what it's not. Generosity is not the amount you give. It's always about the percentage because the percentage is a portion of the whole. If a billionaire buys you a cup of coffee, that's not generous. But if your friend who's really struggling shouts you, that's a lot more generous. See, it's all context. It's all about the percentage. It's all about what you give. By the way, don't be confused by this. All of the money you spend is a percentage. Everything you spend. And if you're not sure where it goes, I promise you it's going towards your priorities. And if you're not sure what those are, you can go to your bank statement right after this message. Just download it on the internet. Super easy to do. And then you can look through and find what's really important to you. Now, those things aren't exclusively important to you because there's a lot of things that we value that don't cost anything. But when it comes to our resource, what we spend is a reflection of our values. So here's what I think. I, I think that we in this season have a responsibility to begin to look out. You know, I um, in, in this COVID season, we were kind of trapped at home along with you and, and everyone else for a period of time. And so what do we do? Well, you know, we just started drinking filtered coffee because that's what we had. And we didn't go out for lunch and we didn't ever go out for dinner and we didn't put petrol in the car. And I started to save a lot of money because I wasn't spending on stuff. I wasn't actually getting more. I was just using it differently. And that's what I'm saying. We have to think about how we use what God has given to us. Let me make this point really clear. I am not suggesting for one minute that you should give up your coffee or that you should not go out for dinner. No, honestly, I really mean it because there are people that work in the hospitality industry. I know people that, that work in coffee and and their businesses and their lives matter. And I think, come on, let's, let's be generous where we can be. And I'm not saying you have to give up those things. I am saying you've got to think about what has become normal to you and maybe start to 
change your ideas about what you're spending so that you can direct it to something that will make a difference in eternity. And here's what I believe, hand on heart. I feel like this is going to get awkward for someone, but I don't care. That's okay. Here's what I honestly hand on heart believe. I believe that God wants to prosper you. And there it is. I said it. I said the P word. And a whole bunch of people freaking out right now. Oh my gosh. Did he say the P word? Prosper? That's it. We knew it. It's prosperity doctrine right there. Oh, wait a minute. Why would you think for one minute that when I say that God wants to prosper you, that there is any kind of prosperity doctrine attached to that? L- let me explain it to you like this. Any, any of you got kids? You love them? You want to see them do well in life? God is a better father than anyone that has ever lived on planet Earth. He wants to prosper his kids, but this next part is very important. And please tune into this, right? There is a purpose in his prospering. There is a purpose in his prospering. And I thought I could just explain it to you, but it's probably better if we just read it straight out of the Bible. And then we know this is what God wants to say. So let me read this to you. This is straight out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul the Apostle writing, talking about a collection that he was taking up for a church, for the saints, for the people. He says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Listen to this, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. That's the prosper part. There's a purpose here. To be generous in every way, which through us produces thanksgiving to God. Listen, listen. There are people who will encounter our generosity and give thanks to God because you became a channel of blessing into their life. I'm not sure if you've heard this phrase before. But I heard once some time ago, if God can get it through you, God will give it to you. He's not trying to just line your pockets. The reason God wants to bless you is so that He can bless the people that are around you. And that, 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 that's not, that's not prosperity doctrine. Listen to what it says in verse 12. It says, for the ministry of this service. Did you get that? Did you see that? The ministry of the service of giving. He says it's ministry. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also the overflow of many thanksgivings to God. There's this thing that happens where God blesses you. And He wants to bless the people around you. But if you understand anything about the Bible is that God has elected to work through the hands and feet of His people. And so when He blesses you, it's so that you can bless the other people that are all around you. I want to be really clear on this because I don't want anyone to get confused about this today. So let me tell you what your giving will not do. I don't care how much you give. I don't care how generous you are it will never make God love you more. Ever. 
will never love you more because you give. He doesn't work that way. Here's, here's another thing that giving won't do for you. Giving, it doesn't put God in debt. You can't give and say, now God owes me. That, that's what we call legalism. And that would be connected to prosperity doctrine. It's like, I give, now you owe me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, wait a minute. Let me explain to you how this works. God gave you everything. And everything that you give to Him, it's not so that He has to pay you back. It's out of the overflow of thanksgiving. You have been blessed in abundance with more than you could ever hope or dream. So that everything that now that you give, it's just an attitude of thanksgiving that says, God, I'm so grateful for my life and what you've given to me. And I just want other people to know about who you are and, and what you've done. And I want to be a channel for your blessings. If God prospers you, it's not to make you rich. It's not what any of that is about. He doesn't want to bless you to make you rich. In fact, the Bible says that God loves you. That's why He gave. And if you know what this entire thing is about, it's about what Christ has done for us. It's about the gospel. The gospel is the greatest message the world has ever heard. And here is how it goes. God loved the world so much that He gave. And He loved the world before we did anything right for Him. It's just because that's His disposition. It's who He is. So it says that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. And whoever believes in Him will never perish, but have eternal life. Man, I love that scripture. Jesus is like the opposite of this man in the story that we read. He's the exact opposite. He withheld nothing. He gave everything. He never stored it. All he did is give it. This is what the gospel is about. God giving us everything and out of the overflow of our gratitude and thanks. We do everything that we can to get that message to people that need to hear it. Here's what I think. I really believe that God financially blesses people that are financially invested in the things He cares about. And it's not to make them rich. It's so they can continue to grow and expand what Jesus gave His life for. You gotta understand, God is so committed to people and to His church that He gave His only Son. He gave everything in that moment. And so people that are saying, well, we think this is important too. I feel like God says, well, let me, let me bless you so that you can bless people around you, so that you can bless ministry, so that you can bless the church, so that you can bless people that have no idea who God is. I think that generosity is one of the greatest ways of doing evangelism. It shocks people. They don't understand. How, how would you be so generous? It's because all of this overflow and gratitude comes from a place deep inside us where we are so grateful for everything that we've received that it makes it so easy for us to give. For me, that's what I think generosity is all about. You, when you give your heart to God, I think that all other giving is easy and that generosity just begins to flow out of your heart, out of your life. And if you read this, this book, the Bible, if you read this, and if you don't see it as abstract 
texts from years ago, but you look at the stories of people's life, you will see consistently those who encountered the gospel were totally transformed and they became exceedingly generous. Consider Matthew, he was one of Jesus' disciples, no doubt an embarrassment to his family because he was a tax collector. And so Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And it totally transformed who Matthew was. You think about it as you read Zacchaeus, you know, Zacchaeus was this guy who was a chief tax collector. They were well known for cheating their own people. And he has an encounter with the gospel and he understands who Jesus is. And he says, out of the response, what happened to Zacchaeus? He says, you know what? I'm going to give away anyone that I've defrauded. I'm going to pay back. He just continues to give and he's generous. Look at the early church. They were so moved by the power of God and the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When they realized what God had done for them, they came and they gave everything to the apostles. They said, come on, this message matters. It's so important. We need to get this to the people that need to hear it. And so they were generous. Look at the Bereans if you, or the Macedonians. If you read the Scriptures and you see the Macedonians, they were in poverty and, and they came to Paul and they said to him, Paul, could we please give? Just let us give. We want to do this. We want to contribute to the needs of the saints that are in Jerusalem, right? We know that they need it. He says, guys, you're in poverty. They're like, oh, come on, let us give, right? Who could make them do that? No one. No one. They were transformed. And they had all this joy. And it wasn't because they were rich. They just were generous because they loved God and they understood what He'd done for them. And it totally transformed them. Scripture says, hey, come on, don't, don't give reluctantly or under compulsion. There's no forcing. There's no, no one has to do anything. No one's forcing anyone. And if anyone feels guilt, there's no guilt giving. If you're going to guilt give, just keep it. Because it's not worth it. You know, if you're a person that, that loves God and has encountered the gospel, your giving is thanksgiving. Your giving is gratitude. Your giving, it comes from a place of joy in your heart because you're just so wrapped up in what God has done and what God can do. You're giving its, its praise. You're giving its, its worship. You're giving is all of these things wrapped up together and all of those things go and they spread the gospel. So let me just, let me just finish with this one thought. This one idea. Man, if you take anything away from this message today, please let it be what I'm about to say. Please don't go into eternity holding all your stuff. Don't go into, into eternity holding all of your stuff. Let everything that you're holding make a difference here on planet Earth. And you will have eternity to be grateful and to be so thankful that you used your time and your resource to help carry this incredibly important message forwards. I, I want to pray for people today. I don't know your situation, don't know your circumstance. Some of you are in a position to be generous, maybe others, not so much. Wherever you are, I want to pray for you to be generous, but I want to pray for anybody that's struggling financially. I want to pray that God will bless you and that you will move out of the position that you're in. So come on, if you, if, if you just know this is for you, why don't you place your hand on your heart right now? Let me pray for you. Jesus, 
We just thank you so much for your word, your truth. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave everything. You withheld nothing. Father, we're so grateful that you would give your one and only son. Father, I pray that for each of us, that we would be incredibly generous people. We'd be generous out of the gratitude of what you've given to us. And I I just pray for anybody that's here today that is struggling financially. God, I pray that you put some generous people around them. I pray, God, that as they reach out, there would be people that could meet those needs. I pray that you send people to be an answer to the people that need that help. Pray you watch over them. Pray you protect them. Pray that jobs come fast. I pray for all of those things. I I pray for our economy, God, that as we start to navigate through this season, that Lord, when we move past this pandemic, God, that on the other side of this, our economy would be strong. It would bounce back. That Lord, that we wouldn't go into this stage where people are holding everything out of fear, but God, that we would be people that would just be generous to those around us. And I pray, God, that we just move from a stage of being blessed into blessed into blessed. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.